Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Legends in the Dark, where we drink coffee to keep the goblins from laying eggs in our nightmares. My name is Jay. I'm Leslie. <laughs> How the hell are you today, Leslie? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm just I thought I knew where that was going, and then you caught me off guard. And I mm. think you waited purposely until I took a sip of coffee. I'm always trying to make you spit it out. It hasn't uh, worked yet. Yeah, on to my now that is an expensive mic. <laughs> well, try not to talk directly towards the mic. I don't think you're supposed to do that anyway. You're supposed to gravitate elsewhere in the room. I don't know. No, I think you're supposed to actually talk into the mic. Well, yeah, if you want to use a mic as it's completely intended to be used, then sure. <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's it's Saturday, so I'm totally fine and dandy of not having to go to work. Yay, no work. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice. Uh, it was raining really hard yesterday. It's supposed to rain hard tomorrow, but it's really nice and sunny right now. I mean, it's cold. I wouldn't say it's sunny. It's like overcast. Yeah, kind of, maybe. but... Part, it's partly cloudy, not really a lot of sun, though, but the but, sun is out. Yes, the sun is out. Good Saturday. Good, good Saturday. So, we're going to shake it up because you're actually going to go first because I have a little bit longer one tonight that mm-hmm. it was took me a while because I did a lot of research. Right. I did barely any and mine is extremely short. So, it all complements it out really yep, rather that nicely. Is, what is that thing called when they... Synergy. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Made up business words. I like, I like you could have just said any word and be like, yeah, that sounds right. You just believe anything I tell you, don't you? I, I do. Mm. Except for the, <laughs> except for your urban legend. Mm. Hey, I almost had you. I just uh, you put a, did. I, I was I, I just put a little. Thinking. I just put a little too much detail in. Yeah. My own hubris, attention to detail. <sighs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm going first today. So where are you taking us? I am taking you to the year 1587. North Carolina to Roanoke Colony. Most people probably know know this. It's a, it's it's been around for a little. The legend's been around for a long, long time. It has been passed down generation to generation since you know about 1590. We had a group of 120 English settlers mysteriously vanished. So, back in the 1500s, uh, England made their first attempts to uh, settle North America on Roanoke Island, which was off the coast of North Carolina. The first settlers ended up returning to England um, just due to things like food shortages, conflicts with the native tribes there, and then returned a second time around, part two of Roanoke Colony, 1587. At which time, Virginia Dare, the first baby born to an English parent in North America, was born John White who was the leader of the colony, left back for England in uh, 1587, same year, uh, to resupply for the colony. When he returned in 1590, which is like, oh, you guys are out of food? I'll be back in three years. I wouldn't wait around. <laughs> well, I think... Oh, that's like, like, that's like, your, like your husband saying, like, I'm going to go out and get... I'm going to go out and get us food and it takes like six hours to come back. It's like, are you going to wait six hours to eat or are you going to find something at home to eat? I should never send him to that PUBG cafe to get food. They have a PUBG cafe? Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) (laughs) He just sits there. Dang, I thought that was real. I was like, oh, wait, I don't even play PUBG, but that sounds pretty awesome. But actually, I think I remember reading about, was England in some, I think England was in some kind of conflict, right? And that's why he couldn't get back in time. Because they needed the, the yeah, ships. Yeah, they were, they were, yeah, they were, but yes, I believe from, from what I remember of the, uh, of the tale, like they, they 
had to requisition more ships than they were able to give him for his piddly little colony of 120 people. It's like, you guys aren't that important. They'll still be there. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen in 1590, right? Get a, <laughs> get a splinter and die of syphilis or something. I don't think that's how you get syphilis. Who knows? It was 1590. <laughs> Do you know how you do you know how medical how diseases worked back then? I don't think you do. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I gotta take some of my cocaine and my uh, snuff and right. apply the leeches. <laughs> okay, another. I feel bleeding. like I have a demon inside of me. Okay, another bleeding. Yeah, gotta love those bleedings. It was like their the high point of their day. I think <laughs> that <laughs> eating bread and cheese you know, or whatever it is that they ate when they had no food so anyways this um, is why this is why jay's not a historian yeah that's right i'm more of a drunk historian <laughs> watch that show on comedy central i was like what that's how it actually happened oh my god oh drunk history i love drunk history because i'm always kind of want to look at the real history i'm like let's have, see how good they are i'm like wow he was drunk off his ass, but he was pretty good. <laughs> he was pretty accurate. What are you telling me that Jack Black isn't actually the guy who like, started the hedge fund scam? Oh, what? Jack! did you see the one where Jack Black was also um, Elvis? <laughs> I have not actually seen that. because <laughs> That was a good one. Because they haven't been posting him on Hulu very much lately, so I don't. I haven't seen a lot of the new I haven't ones. seen the new season. So anyway, John White returns in 1590. Settlement was deserted. This is only like a three-year period now. I know that's like... A long time to wait for somebody to come back for supplies, but you figured they would probably just kind of at least hang around and try well, the, to not all die or something. Well, the woman who had the first baby um, was his daughter, and so that was his granddaughter. So you would think mm -hmm. that they would have kept, like at least stayed around or left more of a note note than one word. Yeah. So as Leslie is spoiled. You know, the later part of the story. I am so sure everyone and their mother has heard this story. Well, that being said, I don't jump ahead on your stories. You seem to love to jump on mine, though. <laughs> I swear. Do you want me to cut that out and we just... Uh... No, it's already been done, Leslie. They already know your treacherous ways. <laughs> you can't turn back the clock. <laughs> no, but I could cut it out. <laughs> mm. Damage has been done. So they've all disappeared. The only clue that he found was the word... I've always wondered if I was if I was pronouncing this right or not. The Croatoan uh -huh. was carved into a tree on the site. Uh, theories have varied on what that actually meant. Some believe that the colonists joined with the friendly Croatoan natives or were concurrently massacred by the unfriendly Wachis tribe. Nobody knows for sure. John White himself believed the word meant the settlers had moved to Croatoan Island, which was 50 miles away, uh, to escape disease. Maybe that might have been an outbreak of some sort that they were trying to get away from. I think that's probably what happened. And But a later search of the island found none of the settlers, so they went somewhere, but it wasn't there. This Okay, so you know what's fascinating for me for this is... Actually, I'm not going to say anything because it might be jumping ahead in your story. So, go ahead. Well, my story's basically done. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot on this one. But the the my, my thing of that one, that, that story, is just like you said, though. Instead of just taking the time to carve one word in, which explains absolutely nothing about what happened, they had paper. At the very least, they could have, like, carved a full paragraph into, like, a log somewhere, maybe, or something. Say, like, Dear John... <laughs> 
We have experienced very many great hardships in the three years you've been absent, damn you. We've been beset by all kinds of things, such as disease and demons and lack of leeches for our bleedings. Please hurry back with much haste. Love whoever the hell wrote this le- wrote this note. <laughs> P.S. If you're not back in two years and five months, we will not be here anymore. Well, and it's hard to say because I think he's only supposed to be gone for like a year at most. A year and a half at most. So, And then when they didn't show up, like, you almost have to think, well, maybe he got, you know, maybe his ship didn't make it back to England. No one knows where, we're, we were, where we are. We're starving. We have to move inland. And I think that's probably what happened. But, you know, what's interesting is I forgot which show I watched. Um, but that where they were saying that one of the maps, and I think it's in England, one of the maps when they were when they relook at it, there's this weird spot on it where, like, you could tell with the map maker put like something else on top. Like, their their whiteout quote unquote at the time was getting another piece of parchment and kind of like putting it over <clears throat> it over this stuff. When they want to uh, like remove the parchment, but they also don't want to ruin the map. So I think they've been doing like x-rays or something and they there is another image under the map or under this part and it looks like a fort. And they think that it was a secret place to meet in case anything happened on the island. And there is a theory that that's where the colonists may have ended up. And now I think they're trying to do archaeology near that area. And I can't remember. Um, I know there's another island. They actually found some stuff that is from the 1500s. And they think it might be the Lost Colony. Hmm. So I really do like that story. But you're right because the, the shock factor is the guy left, took three years, came back. And there's nobody. There's nobody. And, there, and from, what I, from what I remember is like there wasn't even signs of anybody being there like anything that could have been taken away was taken away like the only thing that was left standing was the buildings basically yeah and so it's really interesting and i like all the different theories that people have what's really interesting is i don't know if you've ever seen the um I don't know if you've ever seen the American Horror Story. I think season four. No, I know that. I heard they're doing something about that. It's actually pretty good because they do it in the the spiel of a like half the season is paranormal witness or celebrity ghost story, whereas the real quote unquote people telling their story. Then there, it's like a reenactment that you're watching. So just it's like you're watching a show within the show, mm. and then the other half of the season is like. Well, here's the end of the season, but the big last episode is we're going to have them come back to the house and talk about their experiences, and it's the real people with the actors. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the reunion special. It is basically, and I actually kind of I I like that season just for the fact that it was kind of poking fun of. Then it got totally weird at the end, and I was kind of like meh. But I do like Kathy Bates in it. Like, she's so good in it. It's ne- it's never aliens, but it's always aliens. Yeah, it's never aliens, but it could be aliens. Or werewolves. Or vampires. That's you know, it's funny that you would say vampires because like you know the very what the funny thing is the very first time I ever even heard of this story was not in like a history book or anything like that. I heard, I I read it from a Thor comic book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Thor shows up on Roanoke Island and I guess he had people there that were like 
followers of Thor or something like that, and then he got there, and they are they had all been turned into demons or vampires or something, and he had to kill all of them. I think there was a show. I think I want to say it was Sleepy Hollow. I didn't watch all of that series. I don't think I got through season one because I was kind of bored with it. But I do remember there was an episode about the Lost Colony. And really what it was is they actually were in some kind of time portal or something. Yeah, that was Sleepy Hollow. I know Supernatural yeah. did one too. But theirs was basically like the fall, the settlers were infected with a demonic virus or something that like basically turned them into demons and then they just kind of left or something i forget it's interesting because i like i i remember listening to that story in history class and just being obsessed with what does chronotonin mean like what's no, it i mean? didn't find out till years later that it's actually just the name of one of the, na- the yeah, native, native tribes yeah the native American tribes and i was like oh that seems kind of <laughs> it's not quite as mysterious now but i guess at the time maybe they didn't know what it meant they were like they probably didn't know the tribes by name i feel like whoever they assigned to make this um sign on the tree though is like the people now instead of writing out whole sentences in their texts are just doing you up you know, it's like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe Jeremiah, you should have put us a little bit more information. Like, chronotonin went with them, 1865, you know, whatever. I mean, I know it's 1965, but you know what I mean? Like, a little more detail. Like, like you had Jeremiah type carve the tree. Really? Really? Drunk Jerry? <laughs> that's what you had take care of that job? <laughs> oh, God, they're never going to find us. We're all going to die. Okay, well, let's just... Chalk it up to bad decision making on our part. Yeah, it's just too late now. <laughs> it's just I always thought like when you think of it, it's like wow, it's really mysterious. And then now I'm thinking, I think they just it's it's mysterious in the way like that they they never found them as far yeah. as we know. It's like they, even though they had a map that was looked like they had done something to it, like and that there was no markers left so that like you know when they even though they left they say like okay, let's place some things here so that when people come even though we can't let, leave a note or i can understand not leaving a note because you don't know if anyone is ever going to discover this area well that's true so like as far as you know that guy is not coming back because it's a bit maybe they only waited a year so like if you had a note there it would be two years in the weather and mm. people well, probably do said, come but... That's why I said, like, instead of, like, a note, like, put markers around. You know, like, some sort of a trap, like, a trail, maybe. Like, you know, say, like, we're in this direction. Just keep well, following this But you line. never know. Maybe they did that in the first year. You know, after the first winter. And they're like, hey, we got to go in land because we can't do it a second winter here. And then just after two years of no one finding the, tail, <laughs> the trail, it just, you know, got wiped away. Or maybe the Native Americans came in and they're like, oh, we need these rocks. Or, like, you know what I mean? You never know. Yeah. They probably could have left this whole big explanation, but it's just like, like you said, they had drunk Jerry leave the note on the tree. <laughs> Too many abbreviations, Jerry. You up? <laughs> what? What you doing? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking like it is. Is that one person's like, listen, we need a word that really says what we're doing, what happened, and where we're going. Yolo. <laughs> Damn it, Jeremiah. <laughs> He's ahead of his time and yet behind, so far behind. Well, I do like thinking about that one once in a while. I will, you know, when Dad comes up on one of those shows, like, 
I think Expedition Unknown did it. I think BuzzFeed um, Supernatural did it. It's one of those where it's interesting to contemplate. Is it my turn now? Sorry, I thought I thought I heard your husband like saying something in the living room. I figured maybe he was playing his games or something. Oh, probably. If you just hear me all crow, crow and toeing. <laughs> crow and toeing! <laughs> then we really will know what happened. But yeah, you can go ahead and do your do your thing, Leslie. Do your thing. thing. Okay, so as you know, I've been researching this story. It's one I heard when I was younger. I bought the book The Black Hope Horror. Uh, by Ben Jean Williams and John Bruce Shoemaker. And what this story is about is a haunting in Texas. Hmm. So this is a book that I, I bought and I I had to read it at work because it creeped me out so much I couldn't read it at my house. Because it's about a haunted house. When I was younger, I watched the movie called Grave Secrets and it was uh, had Patty Duke in it and it was based on the story. And then you might have also heard the story because it was an episode on Unsolved Mysteries. It is on the Amazon. I, I didn't write down the episode, but I think it's like in season like 13. or it's, it's whatever the last season is on Amazon. And it's like episode like 14, 13, somewhere around there. And it's called The Black Hope Horror. Mm-hmm. Or it might be The Black Hope Curse, but I don't think you say that now because I think that's actually a closed-in line now. Okay, so here we go. So it's a little long because I also wanted to read some from the book, some really great little quote stories. Oh, you're getting all fancy trying to show me up today? A little bit. That's all right. I'll give you <laughs> one episode to shine <laughs> out of like 17 that we've done. <laughs> okay, so this story takes place in 1980. Well, it was actually throughout the 80s, but it starts in 1980 in Texas. I'm already terrified. <laughs> in the summer of 1980, Ben and Jean Williams picked out some land uh, near the Newport, Texas. And they moved to a subdivision on a street. I'm not going to say the street name. No. You, you can look it up. It's on the internet, but I don't want to say it. Uh, so it's in Newport, Texas. And they were able to move in late in October 1980. So what it was is basically they got to pick out the land, the lot, and they made new construction on this land. So they literally had the house designed just what, how they wanted it and built on this land. So it wasn't one of these, oh, this house has been here for 200 years. It was literally new construction. This house is my house. So get it's out of it, ghost, ghost. Okay. That's what the ghost is saying. <laughs> right? So one of the reasons they like this one uh, lot is because they had this big tree in the back. Which they kept and had a, they made sure their picture window, bay window, looked out on it. After moving in, some weird things happened, including ants everywhere, all in the new dishwasher. And no matter what they did, no matter how much they would check and fill in holes, these ants kept coming in. And it was found out that the ants were coming from this tree in the backyard. Also, they would have deadly snakes be in the house. No matter how many times they would close the doors, windows, everything would be locked up tight. There would always be some kind of weird snake in the house, and it always kind of slittered out to the backyard. Okay? Within two weeks of moving in, there was a, already a sense of dread that came upon the house that Jean was t- kind of describing that she felt weird in the house, and it was always cold no matter how many sweaters. And in the movie with Patty Duke, she's always wearing like two or three sweaters, and like her husband's really hot and says, Is it, you have this up to like 96 degrees, and, and she's like, it's cold in here. <laughs> And that just feels like me and my husband. She would garden, but nothing would grow. And they 
were um, noticing that they had these long rectangle depressions that they called sinks because they would go down a couple feet in their yard, which she was trying to use as a flower bed, but nothing would grow. And one day when she was digging, crows um, began attacking her. And it wasn't just, oh, they're flying overhead, but they would dive bomb her and like hit next to the ground or start like kind of getting stuck in her hair, like start kind of getting really close to her. Uh, the toilets would flush by themselves over and over. In the movie, it shows it pretty good. It, the repairman would come over and they'd be like, there is no way this could flush. Do you mean it was just running? And they would try to fix it. And she was like, no, it's actually flushing. She says, no, it's actually flushing. And even her husband's like, no, I can't do that. But people of witnesses, they had friends over, they had family over, and their, I think it was the downstairs uh, guest bathroom would, would do this. There was flickering lights, televisions, and great storms around the house, but a mile away it would quit. So this is, I think I mentioned in a prior podcast, the prior episode, that they had these huge storms. Like it would just be sheets of rain, and it would just rattle the house, and... They would get in the car and they would tra- travel a mile or people would come in, like they had family come in, and they would be like, wow, there was sunshine a mile out, but you get literally up onto the street and it's just rain, nothing but rain. So Jean would have all these stories to herself because Ben would go off to work and Jean would experience all these weird things, but she didn't really want to tell Ben because she was worried this is kind of the retirement home, their money's all... Um, in it and she doesn't want to seem like she's ungrateful so she kind of kept mum about a lot of this stuff well he was also having experiences and he didn't mention it to her because he didn't want to didn't want to sound like he was crazy because this is in the 80s this is before you know all the ghost shows ghost adventures ghost hunters like this is like you tell us to someone now like man i think i live in a haunted house and i'm like oh really are you trying to record it put it on youtube where now if back then is if you go to your neighbors and like are you having, like, think of poltergeist. Go to your neighbors and be like, are you having um weird experiences? And, you know, you're getting this look at, like, dude, you're crazy. What are you talking about? So they both are afraid that the other is going to think of them crazy. Until one night that Ben had such an experience, and let me get the page, that he finally broke down and told her. And when she told him about her experiences, they decided it's not just you, it's just not me. We're both having these experiences. He stopped at the refrigerator, feeling vaguely hungry, peered in, didn't see anything that appealed to him, shut the door, and started into the den. After the bright glare of the refrigerator light, he was having a little trouble seeing. At first, he was aware only of movement ahead of him, then stopped him dead still. He blinked. Jean? He said softly. No answer. He blinked again. Now, they were there, definitely. Two shimmin forms that seemed to have no substance. Suddenly, they seemed to thicken, dart in a bit, and they moved into the corridor lead into the master bedroom. At first, Ben was just happy to see them go. Then he thought, oh no, Jean. They were going to Jean. He was certain of it. Ben felt his heart race faster and the blood began to pound in his ears. After that, his only thought was to get Jean before. He wasn't sure what. He just knew Jean was in danger and he must get to her at once. And the next thing he knew, that's where he was, standing in the doorway of the bedroom. He could see only one form now, cloud-like, stretching, then contracting. There was something particularly repulsive about it, and it was moving closer to Dean, closer to Jean each second. Ben let out a war whoop and dived for the bed. 
He seemed to pass through the form and again felt a cold stickiness all over his body and especially in his throat. Jean woke up to find Ben hovering over her, coughing, choking, and turning red. And he talks about that in the uh, in the episode of the Unsolved Mysteries about how he followed this thing into the bedroom and tried to grab it and just passed right through it. Hmm. So I'm reading this at work because I'm like, yeah, I'm not reading this at he, home. He let out a war whoop. Huh? <laughs> All right. Like, yahoo. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Oh, my gosh. And it's just creepy how, like, that, so that, after that, and he finally told her, like, this is what's been going on. This is what I just saw. And then she's like, oh, my God, this is all this stuff has been going on with me. So, at the same time when all of this was going on, some of the more strange things happened is they had three daughters, and they all were coming over. So, they moved in in October, and they were so excited because they had all the holidays at their new house. Well, when they were over, their three daughters were married, and all of them, all the... It doesn't say if it was Christmas or Thanksgiving, but I think it was closer to Christmas. They came over and they all started fighting. Like, they were starting to pick each other at these little fights. And then they became, like, shouting matches and they would leave. And then every time their family would come over, these huge matches would just erupt. And this is before, and her daughters were married way before for a long time. And all of a sudden, all three of them were having marital problems. And they all three ended up getting divorced. And then relatives began getting sick. And, like, six had signs of cancer, and their daughter Tina had Hodgkin's disease. And this is where it, there was no signs in the family who previously had this. That's weird. Uh, one of the daughters, because of the marital issues and having her own problems, the granddaughter would end up living with them along with their daughter Tina when she was sick. The granddaughter was hearing voices come from the flushing toilets and then heard footsteps ghosts are hanging out in the toilets or in the pipes underground oh that too that's a little bit creepier than the toilet yeah well it it all started making sense okay so my i read this at work this next experience and i actually shut the book when i was done and i got up and i was walking around my work and i was on lunch and when i came back from lunch it was like 10 minutes I came back from lunch and everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, I just, this book is just getting to me. <laughs> okay, so this next experience is, it's Jean, her granddaughter Carly, and Tina. They're at home, so let me set this up. They're at home after this huge storm. And Jean actually had to pull over in her neighborhood, get out and just walk to her house because she couldn't see in front of her. So when she gets into the house, she's all wet and cold and stuff, so... Her daughter is in bed, and her granddaughter's like, come come lay in bed with us. And so she gets into bed to get warm. Suddenly, they all heard the front door slam. And then, after a few moments in which they all froze, they heard the footsteps on the tile. Who's there? Jean called out, but no one answered. Smokey's ears went back. That's the cat. And he tensed from head to tail. The footsteps became more distant. The hair went up on a long Smokey's back and tail as he assumed a low crouch. The footsteps suggested a low, clumping gait, as if one leg were being dragged along behind the other. There was still some wind outside, and Jean, trying to reassure the girls and herself, whispered something about a limb banging against the house. It was lame, and she didn't know it. The footsteps kept coming. They were definitely approaching the bedroom. Jean felt a sudden rush of energy and rage wash over her fear. Ben was nowhere around. She was the defender now. She leaped up, Grabbing the thirty-eight pistol that was always within reach of the bed, she motioned Tina and Carly to be quiet, hardly necessary. 
Carly was clinging to Tina as hard as she could, her face buried in Tina's chest. Tina was staring ahead, transfixed. Despite her resolve, Jean could feel the gun shaken in her hand. This was the first time Jean had heard footsteps in the house, and she was convinced she was about to encounter a burglar or some other human intruder. There had, in fact, been a number of burglaries reported in the Newport, in the Newport area recently. Jean tiptoed to the door, then peeked out into the corridor. There was no one there, but she could distinctly, now more clearly than ever, hear the footsteps coming directly toward her. A new chill enveloped her, and she felt queasy. Now she wished that she had encountered a burglar, something, anything she could see. But there was nothing, just the chill, the footsteps, and the clear sense that something invisible was approaching her and the two girls. Jean found that for several moments she simply couldn't move. She didn't even breathe. Whether this was from fear or from some other outside force, she couldn't tell. But she did hear the footsteps go right past her, and she did feel the cold, sticky feeling intensify as the thing, for that was how she conceived of it, passed by or through her. She sensed a bitter taste in her mouth that lingered for many minutes. Momentarily, she felt released and rushed back into the, be into the bedroom, where it had gone. Carly and Tina were still sitting in bed, backs pressed against the wall, pure terror contour in their faces. Neither seemed capable of speech. So these footsteps, is just you're hearing them come to you. And then it just goes right through you. Somehow. And then, like, they went into the bedroom, and, like, the two girls are just, like... Like, they saw something. Well, they they don't see anything, but they hear it's coming up right to the bed. And, um... And dragging a foot, apparently. Yeah, that is the... That's the creepiest thing to me. Like, oh, God, I'm still getting... That um, sounded like more like it was drag... I guess that it would be a clear difference. It's like, it sounds like whether somebody's... A, a human footstep that's dragging another foot behind it... Or, like, because I'm going to reference that, you know, that paranormal activity movie where they had, like, you could hear, they heard, like, footprint, foot, but it was, like, when they did the little flower on the floor thing, oh, yeah. and it was, like, hooves, hooves. It was Because just... you never really know, like, they don't really say, like, or I guess maybe they do, so I'll let you go on. I'm sure they probably say. Oh, well, what? it just, it just gets crazier from there. Okay. So, other instances of birds uh, attacking... They would, uh, she would, there's one time she would go outside and these birds started attacking her by throwing uh, acorns against her and the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the I weirdest thing. I don't know why it's like that. It doesn't even sound creepy. That just sounds funny to me. Like, they're <sighs> like, caca! <laughs> oh, God. It sounds creepy to me because, like, I have a picture. I purposely took this picture because I was going into work one morning and it's 6 a.m. and I was going into work and there's all these crows on these trees and they just took off and it's just at least 500 crows and they're, they're all in downtown and I'm watching them and I just got my camera and I took a picture because it's just the creepiest thing now imagine them all coming at you with acorns you know what they call a large group of crows murder a murder of crows yep there's probably a reason for that <laughs> okay in her bathroom tiny specks of dirt almost this dark tar like manner like little black balls would fall from the ceiling but when ben checked the attic there was nothing that was leaking and nothing no stain on the attic side it was only coming from the wall side mm. so that would be like this wall right here okay now i'm not facing the thing and all of a sudden there's just like black spots on it <laughs> the walls in the 51st precinct were bleeding how do you explain that 
What's that from? Simpsons? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Okay. So here's a, another. This one, Ben. So another instance was one night, Ben turned the light on in the utility room. He looked at the appliances, the walls, the ceiling, nothing. Then he went into the garage, flickering the light on in there. He walked between the Oldsmobile and the Bronco. The thunder roared and the lights flickered off briefly and came back on. Ben could find nothing to miss. The door was securely shut. Ben had just turned from examining it and was about to return to the kitchen when he felt a cold, creeping sensation course down the ne his neck and lodge between his shoulder blades. He turned around rapidly and looked at the base of the door. There were wet spots all over the floor. He was sure he had seen something move. He felt eyes watching him. There was again a distinct movement. It was in the olds. It was as if someone had been sitting behind the wheel and then had ducked down, looking up, and ducked down again. It was just a blur, but it was there. Despite the cold, he felt Ben was sweating by now, and this added to the clammy chill he was experiencing all around him. He walked slowly towards the olds, his eyes firmly fixed on the driver's side of the door. He came up alongside the driver's door and peered in. There was no one there but the genie, the garage door opener was on the driver's seat and not where it was always kept in the glove apartment. No sooner had Ben spotted it that the lights went out in the garage, but not in the adjoining utility room. These lights were on the same circuit. This is impossible, Ben thought, and he banged through the darkness towards the utility room. He hit his knee hard on something, the car bumper, he guessed, and fell forward on his other knee. He felt a sharp pain, and as he drew himself up cursing, he heard the garage door go up and immediately felt the force of the storm rush in. His only thought now was to get into the light as quickly as possible. But as he entered the utility room, that light went out too. He looked apprehensively over his shoulder and in a flash of lightning saw two dark forms approaching him through the garage. They seemed to hang stationary for a moment in the open garage door, hovering a foot off the concrete and then they just seemed to glide effortlessly toward him. He felt them gaining on him as he stumbled into the kitchen. That light had gone out too. Ben fled into the den. His knees felt weak and buckled under him. As he fell, he saw the arrow pulsating again in the old oak. He crashed heavily into the coffee table by the love seat. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now things aren't walking towards him anymore. Now things are flying towards him. Yeah, it's like, so he's he was having problems, and it's, this is in Grave Secrets. I don't think they showed it in Unsolved Mysteries, but the garage door would come up and down. And he would have repairmen out, and they would tell him, you know, maybe someone else has a code. Because that's happened to me before when I growing up. Like, it was really easy. Like, the remotes only had, like, I don't know, only so many codes that you could put in. And you could have the same one as someone down the street, and your door would open. But I guess, I can't remember if it's in the book, but there was no way that no everyone had the same code because he was pretty close to the neighbors. So, or it's not close to the neighbors, but he was one of the first houses out there. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, your neighbor two blocks, not two blocks, but two miles away could have the same one. It's like, there's no one around here. And then later when more people came, it sounded more feasible. But then he's like, but this was doing it before people moved in. So how scary is that, that these lights are going off? You think there's someone sitting in your car? The remote is um, on the thing because you just, the garage door went up and down. Oh, so whatever, whatever it is, they like to play with them. Basically, there were it was a lot of this stuff going on before they even know what was going on. They all, but and remember, this is again a time before 
people didn't study this stuff. So people thought, oh my God, I'm going crazy because there's weird things happening. The first instinct in this situation would be, I'm going to call an exorcist. Right. Because I apparently have something in here, and I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> okay, so I got one more from the book, and then we'll move on to my notes. This one, in the movie, in the Grave Seekers movie, they had this great scene where they see a shadow, and you could tell it's a girl, and they're all like, oh, Carly, do you, do you want something? And basically her, their granddaughter comes in with her cat and it's like, oh, you know, we're scared. And basically she climbs in bed. So, no ever. But it sets it up because later in the movie, they see a outline of a man. You can tell it's a man, but they see a, a shadow. And they're like, oh, Carly, is that you? And then it gets closer in the shadow. You can see more is defined as a man. And... Ben is saying, that's not Carly. And so this is the scene in their own words. Then a shadow appeared on the partially open bedroom door. Jean and Ben didn't move, didn't breathe. The shadow was poorly defined, but appeared vaguely human in shape. Then it turned slightly and two points protruded from the top of the shadow, like tips of a very long ears or short horns, Ben would say later. Jean gasped, no longer able to contain herself. The shadow immediately disappeared. Ben sucked in a breath, too, and immediately coughed. The air seemed sticky and acidic. So, like, how scary is that you're seeing this shadow? And it looks like it has, like, either really pointy horns or really pointy ears or horns. So, like, it kind of looks like a like a gremlin. Like, I'm thinking, like, a gremlin or... A you ever see that? Yeah, a demon. I don't think gremlins are usually, like... Do they say if it's, like, a tall shadow or a short shadow or... Just a shadow on the door. Just a shadow on the door. Yeah, so... Bear with me. Here we go. Across the street, a family who would move in later after the Wombs were the Haley's. Sam and Judith Haley moved into the new home in the summer of 1982. Even before they heard about any of the goings-ons with the Wombses, their construction workers would talk about graves and being these weird fences on the land. Where the depressions were, they also had these sinkholes where it was a rectangle sink. Mm. And some of the construction workers would talk about how there was these little fences around them. Kind of like, now we know it sounds like like little grave sites. But they thought the construction workers were like drinking on the job. So in mid-September in 1983, they began excavating for a pool. One day, a man that Sam didn't recognize came to the house and told him about graves that were in the backyard. He showed Sam where the graves were and then left. Sam hired a backhoe to carefully dig up the spot. They found old wood and skeletons so fragile that when the police came and the coroners came and they lift them up, it disintegrated. Like the bones were breaking apart. It turns out these were the graves of Betty and Charlie Thomas. The realization that the sink in the yards were graves and many yards had them, upsetted them greatly. The Hanleys found out from another old man, Jasper Norton, that he knew of the bodies because he helped dig the graves when he was 14. The graveyard was called Black Hope. It was a cemetery built by the McKinley family, the family who owned the land before selling it to the developers. The plot of land that they sold was once housed the Black Hope Cemetery. The McKinleys had owned slaves, and this land was dedicated for their cemetery. The Hanleys sued the development company, and the Williams sued the builders. The Williams had no evidence 
it's against the law in Texas at the time to dig up graves in a known graveyard. So basically, if they started digging to prove that there's bodies, then they know it's a cemetery and that's against the law. So it's like a catch-22. So the builders are like, there's no bodies here, but if you think there are, you can't dig. So it's like... Exactly. (laughs) You didn't hear my husband was totally like, oh, come on, seriously? That's actually pretty perfect. The Haley's, they actually won their lawsuit and were awarded $142,000 because they basically sued the developer saying, you knew there was a graveyard here that construction workers told you, this land, you know, the McKinley family who sold it to you told you, you knew. So they, they were awarded this 142. But days later, the judge reversed the decision and they didn't get the settlement. Instead, the Hanleys ended up owing $50,000 in court fees. And this is in the 80s. Jeez. Right? So they were all just supposed to kind of just kind of roll over and deal with the fact that they were basically, their houses were basically built on graveyards. Basically. Um, the Thomases, since no one could find their families, were reinterred in the Haley's backyard. So they basically, the coroner came, they took them out. And then they put them back in. Yeah. I'm sure that didn't sit well with them. Yeah. I mean, the bodies. Ugh. The experiences range from the Haney's. They talked about their experiences range from shadows, having a clock that was not plugged in spark and work, and like going around, it was an electric clock, it was going around a lot, and it looked like it was on fire, like it was sparking, and when Judith went to go unplug it, it was already unplugged. Mm -hmm. So that's creepy. And then one night, Judith heard a sliding door open and close. She got up thinking it was her husband, but no one was around. She went back to bed, and the next day, when she went to go in her closet to find a red pair of shoes she wanted to wear, she found they were missing. Later, they were found on the gravesite in the backyard. Mm. In the Unsolved Mysteries, they talked about how uh, they found out it was Betty's birthday and she liked the color red. Oof. <laughs> right? I'm going to take these. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be able to like, like, anything. You can have this, you can have the house, you can have the land. I'm just going to set fire to the whole damn thing and I'm going to be on my way. I will take that $140,000 shot, like, you know. No, they didn't get it. No, I mean, like, whatever money they sunk into that house to yeah. have built, just be like, I'm going to take that hit. Oh. I'm out. Because this is the 80s and recession and stuff, so they their houses, they it was basically what happened to, in 08 for us, the bubble. Basically, they couldn't sell their house. They would be in water. Like, their water, they would be overhead, whatever the saying is. But, okay, so here, here's some sad. The Williams' daughter, Tina... She got better. Ashley Hodgson's disease went away. She beat it. She met a man uh, because she was divorced. She met a nice man. They married and they had a baby. And then uh, one day, Jean, at, in the middle of their lawsuit, and basically the builders are saying, you can't prove that these are grave sites here. Jean was fed up with everything and be- began digging at the grave, or at what she thought was the grave site. Mm-hmm. The area that she thought to dig was at the base of the old tree. On the tree, there was a marking of an arrow and two horizontal marks. They knew from a conversation with a man named Will Freeman that two sisters may be buried at the tree base. Jean dug at the base and something red began to run from the tree, like a weird sap. She would dig, then she would come in, rest, and then she'd go back out there and dig. Tina and her family came over one day, and after Jean began digging again, Tina... Sorry... 
I'm just so sad. Tina started kind of arguing, like, stop doing this. Was it matter? Just leave it alone. And um, Gene went out there and continued digging. And then um, Tina doubled over. She was put on the couch, but and they called an ambulance. But by the time they got there and took Gina back to the hospital, she died of apparent heart attack. She was only 30. Here's the th weird thing about this. The ambulance, sorry, the ambulance got lost to the house, which, okay, that happens. But then the ambulance got lost on the way to the hospital and it causes a delay and they think that might be a contributing factor of why they couldn't save her. Soon after that, they had, um, oh, you know what? I didn't even say the creepiest thing too. So they had another death. So they had multiple deaths. There was father, like, I think it was Gene's uh, father who died. Um, Jean, they, they, Gene's mother had moved in with them. They called her granny. Her brother died. And here's the thing, her brother died. I remember it was 319. I remember it was March 19th. I think it was like 1982. Her brother dies of this like rare form of, I think blood cancer, right? A year later, exactly on the day, 319, 1984. So it was 1983, 1984. One year later, her father passes of the exact same rare disease. Mm. Like, how creepy is that? Then her daughter goes through this hell of a disease, gets her life all together, and dies of a heart attack just this random day because she was upset. And um, so after that, they just, they basically, <laughs> what you just said, they didn't care. They were like, we'll take the hit. They packed up their car like days after. They <coughs> packed up their car. And they moved uh, to Montana. They moved back to Texas years later, but, like, they just moved. They would summer in Montana. And they moved up there, took everyone, all their family and stuff. And, uh, okay, so the neighborhood to this to this day, the neighborhood is still there. And as the book reports, the book is really good. Uh, I've read you some of the passages, but they have more experiences. Like, there was, they have articles from the newspaper at the time. And it was funny because in the newspaper, I guess a couple of the neighbors down the street was like, I think they're crazy. There's nothing like that happens here. But in the book, they kind of report it's really weird because Carly would have friends in the neighborhood. And she would be like, her friends would come over. And there was this one time where her friend came over and it was just like, my parents are fighting so much. Can I sleep over tonight here? Or there was like a light outside that would flicker on and off. And they would call out, well, I forgot what it's, called, what it's called in Texas, but it would be equivalent to RPG&E. And they would check the wire and they would check everything. Nothing. They didn't know why it was flickering. This one light was flickering. And it just had a lot of different, like, onesies and twosies of stories of different neighbors that they heard that could be secondhand. Today on Unsolved Mysteries, uh, I shouldn't say today, but on Unsolved Mysteries, they say that they don't have any other reports of weird happenings. But I'll tell you one thing. I totally went on Google and just looked at the neighborhood. And the neighborhood looks just like so sweet. It looks like any other neighborhood in the U.S. I kept trying to figure out which house it was too. Like except it's a graveyard. Oh man. Well, I actually think now, um, I think I read somewhere when I was researching this online that they actually have a society that is trying to respectfully when when they think that they know where a grave is to come in and buried the bones in another cemetery. I forgot what they're called, but it's a society. But I think they only did that for the Thomases. 
I don't think they did it. Like, I don't think they're going back in everyone's yard and being like, let's see if there's bones back here. I'd be like, no, 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 no. You get rid of those bones. I don't want them. Yeah. But, so, again, the book I read is called The Black Hole Poor, The True Story of a Haunting by Ben Williams, Gene Williams, and John Bruce Shoemaker. And it was so good. I read it so fast. But, like I said, I read it on my breaks and on my lunch. And there's a couple times where I had to, like, close it and just walk around because it was, like, creeping me out so much. Like, I just read you, like, some of the highlights, but there was a lot more stories like that in there. That was pretty good. I would say, like, it's... I don't know. I, I, if I were if I were them, I would have already already have left. It's just weird to think about because reading the story, reading the book, they were basically like, you know, we've learned that this thing happens, that there are such things as hauntings, that there are other people who experience it. In our neighborhood alone, there was people who experienced it. There was actually this one, they show it in the Grave Secrets, but they kind of go more into the story where this one couple was a new couple. I think they were called the Andersons. And they were like, the 20 year old kind of like 80s yuppies it sounds like how they were they didn't say those words but how they were describing they were like oh they were young and they just got married and they had good jobs and they had extra money they were trying to have kids and i guess within a year they were getting a divorce <laughs> so it's just i don't know it's just a really weird type of uh this is a th- well, the funny thing is that, like i under i, I can see the, the angry spirits, you know, from, like, the graves and stuff like that. And then they get to the one where it looks like it's got horns or whatever. I'm like, so what's that? Well, you know, in the book it was really interesting because, so, this development basically popped up. And there was, like, five, four or five houses around them. Like, it was in a cul-de-sac. Or, I shouldn't say a cul-de-sac, it was just a dead-end street. And so, they were talking about how there were some months where nothing happened. Where they were like, oh, maybe it's finally over. Okay, well, that was a weird, like, you know, six months. But look, nothing's happened. We don't hear something. We don't have the toilet flushing by itself. So they would, like, calm down. Then later they learned, like, the Andersons would have, like, all these weird experiences for a month. Then they would hear, once it calms down there, then the Hangleys would have all these weird experiences. And then it would seem to come back to the, like, it seemed like it was kind of going house to house. And that's even more scary because... It's almost like, like it was a it's hunting ground kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's just like, hey, we're coming over here now and I'm going to haunt you a couple of times. There was another one um, story, and it's really done really well in the book, in the book, sorry, in the movie, where basically it's this guy, and he, he believes in it, and he was telling the story about how he woke up and there was, like, two figures, not shadows, actual figures standing at the end of his bed. And he's like... Am I not right, honey? And, like, his wife was just like, don't, I don't want to talk about it. Don't talk about it. And he leaves. In the movie, he comes home and he, you see them putting a, he's putting a for sale sign. And the Williamses go over and they're like, oh, you're getting out? And he's like, and he basically tells that he left for a trip, business trip, like, in Austin, I think he says. And when he came back, he found out his wife basically left all her clothes, all their stuff, got like just her purse and the clothes on her back and left and wouldn't will not come back in the house to even pack up and we'll talk about what happened mm. and in the book it kind of talks about that they i can't remember i think it was uh that that there was multiple um figures like for some reason that house you saw actual figures and they were talking about how like no we saw you know it looked like people me and you standing there like we could make out features yeah, and see that, oh my god, if you're home alone, 
and you're walking through your house and you just see people standing there looking at you, I would probably do the same thing. I'd be like, oh, I'm out. And it was like, you guys can have it. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of my guess because, like, what they were talking about in the book is that they saw this experience and then he came home and she was basically gone, went to stay at her mother's house and would not come back to pack up at mm-hmm. all. So. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I don't, I really don't blame her. Like, I, I have no tolerance for that kind of stuff. Like, you know, people are like, oh, let's go hunt for the supernatural. It's like, that's one thing, but you don't want the supernatural to come to you. Yeah, oh, man. It just, it was creepy. So the book, um, they, like I said, started in summer 1980. I think they finally left in 1987. They, um, right after their daughter died, because it was, I think this was probably the fifth person in their family within like three or four years who passed away with this weird disease where two years before they were healthy and everything. Like they're like the one, the husband's mother lived in another city and basically was having trouble. And they're like, Oh, you're going to live with us. And she basically stayed there for a week or so and was like, I'm not living here. And went to her, his sister's house, like in Colorado, like got on a plane and be like, I'm not living with you. There's something weird there. Mm. And got and lived somewhere else. And when they all left, their only Thing that showed that they had ever been there was a single word carved into a tree. Oh, it's weird because you have a, the word. I have a, an arrow with two lines carved in a tree. How mm. weird is that? Got a couple of angry sisters, and what I think it. What I think though is that okay. You said that this gravesite, the cemetery, was for like the for, for slaves, right? Yeah, and then like a little African American community that came after the sl- like, slaves were freed. So, I wonder... Because that's how they found the people who yeah. used to dig in the graveyards like, in the 30s. Like, I wonder if, like, all that bad energy, like, you know, from whatever they went, th- what they went through and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if it somehow manifested or summoned this other thing that was drawn to it, you know, drawn to all that bad energy or whatever, and then it just kind of said, I like it here. And then yeah. just kind of stalked that whole area and then when it was around everything else started to kind of like get active it just it was when you read the book it's so well written in the sense that it starts off small like ants in the dishwasher who hasn't maybe it's just us in california but i have um been in houses where the ants outnumber you like a thousand to one like it's just there's nothing like the times where you can't even drop a piece of rice or something on the floor because or a piece of sugar you know grain of sugar because there would just be like 20 ants going after it and you know what's funny for me like ants don't bother me that much is because i'm like okay i hate ants oh i do too but i feel like they're easier for me to deal with than the other problem that a lot of people tend to get cockroaches i was like cockroaches are a freaking menace and they're scary they are almost impossible to get rid of if they're if they're bad enough like like what was it when 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 becca and i when we first got into our apartment they were like they hadn't sprayed or anything like that really all that yeah and it was like through our own sheer force of will we got rid of them yeah it's one of those things where like but so you're reading the book you're like okay that could happen to anyone you kind of do that whole okay is this really on and this always happens you're in texas there's gonna be snakes you know it's just all this weird stuff and then it just as the book goes on and as our years goes on it intensifies and intensifies and it just gets to the point where i'm actually reading this get out like why are you you still there like it's almost like whatever was there was like 
like, I don't know, what else can I do to these people? I mean, I, I think I've pulled every trick in the book that I know of, yeah, and they're still here. And then, like, there was a theory, I can't remember where I watched it, I, I think, I want to say it was in the book, but I can't remember, where it was almost like because they, the first people who picked out the land and who build on it had this intensified experience, and then... I mean, I think it was in the book because they talk about when other people moved in and it wasn't as intense. They still had some stuff, but it wasn't, like, the big thing was stuff would get moved around. Like, you would be missing something. Like, oh, where's my mirror? Or where's my pocketbook? And then it would be under, like, the couch. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's just mean. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Hiding the stuff? I know, I was like, don't mess with my stuff. So, this happened between 1980 and 1987. There were news stories about it so like they would actually get to the point because because it's um, public record when you sue someone so when it got out people used to come by the neighborhood and be like in the movie again if you guys want to see grave secrets with patty duke it was like a made for tv movie in the 90s it's really good it's on youtube just type in grave secrets and there's a great scene where basically these four teenagers are in a convertible and they're all like hey man and they're standing outside their house like hey man is this where the haunted houses are and the guy's like, oh, no, you want two blocks over. <laughs> like, and so there was people sneaking in the houses and stuff, or up to the houses. But I, I'm almost certain, I forgot what year it came out, but I'm almost certain that they had to base a little bit of poltergeist on this. Like, about them going to the neighbors, the whole digging for a pool and finding bodies. Was the whole thing was that the, the house in Poltergeist wasn't that built on an Indian burial ground, though, or something like that. Yeah, that one was born on... No, it was born on a, a graveyard. Because remember, he's walking up the hill with his boss. And they're like, we want to put you in phase two. And he's all like, oh, here's a cemetery up here. This is a weird place for a cemetery. So it's like, oh, yeah, we just, uh, we had to move the cemetery from phase one and moved it up here. And at the end, when his boss is dropping him off and he grabs him and says, you didn't move the bodies. You only moved the stones. And they started yelling at his boss. I would have thrown him in the house. Like, right? Like, you deal with him now. Yeah. So I, I forget what your poltergeist came about came out but i always heard poltergeist was based on a park in colorado but i am about 99 percent sure it had to have been based on this it has too many parallels that if i was telling you this now as a story you'd be like okay leslie this is poltergeist well there's lots of poltergeist stories yeah i'm gonna say like one probably just stands out more than another or something like that but they're all terrifying <laughs> I still don't understand why a priest was never brought in, got involved in this, because I feel like they could have maybe done something about all that. In Poltergeist 1? No, in your story. Like, well, any of them, really, because, I mean, like, it's an angry spirit, right? And Poltergeist, and what's better to get rid of an angry spirit? A freaking exorcist. Isn't that their job? In the book... Again, I read this in, in, in January, but then I kind of got spooked out in the sense of it, it, I had to take a, a minute off of uh, ghost stories because I think mostly it was this one and a couple other ghost stories that, that freaked me out. But I, if I remember correctly, when I read this book, their religion, I forgot what type of religion they were, didn't really believe in ghosts. They Because it was basically like, like it was either demons or not. Holy. So basically they... They would go to their church, and their church would be like, we can't help you. What, you, my church can't help me with demons? It's like, you guys are, 
yeah, forgot they they talk about it in here. <laughs> they they do talk about their religion and about how because they they honestly felt like they were crazy. And actually, in the book, so this book is actually interesting because in the last um, couple chapters, um, and the afterward, they have uh, the other side, an international support group, and they basically had a PO box saying that if you have described. Oh, if you have experiences like any of those described in this book, any experiences that might be labeled, quote, supernatural, and want to communicate in an atmosphere of trust and understanding, write to, and they basically have the thing. So they basically put themselves out there with this book and say, we understand what you're going through. You're not crazy if you want to tell us what's happening. So it was like, almost like they made a support group for... Just saying, if the Vatican would have been getting a call from me. Oh my god! Some was like, it's like I, I, and I've mentioned this on every single ghost story that we've ever done. <laughs> almost, it's like somebody call the exorcist, call the priest. Why do people just sit there in a house and deal with that? You know how you said that? It sounds like that meme. Call the exorcist, call the priest. You'll be haunting up in here. Like, Hide have you, your kids. Have you ever, Hide your wives. Like, have you ever experienced a like a ghost specter or freaking Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> But anyway, so that was the one I've been working on for the last month because it took me a while to read the book just because it freaked me out. And I watched the movie again. If you want to watch the movie, again, it's on YouTube, Grave Secrets with Patty Duke. You're like, I read the book and it freaked me out. And I watched the movie and it also freaked me out. <laughs> and I watched the... Uh, I watched the, I watched unsolved the Unsolved Mysteries. Mysteries. It also freaked me out. I know. I went to... So our friend Julie rented the unsolved mysteries ghost collection from the library from our local library and i went over there so when this was the first story that came on from the collection i jumped up and did a little dance because like i know this story and i'm sitting there telling them all the low effects like well actually what this is what happened well actually this is also what happened like, shut up leslie <laughs> a little bit a little bit so ruining our wine yeah a little bit with ghost talking yeah. but anyway um, we're going a little long, so I guess we better wrap this up. Yeah, let's do that. You know what? I'm going to let you do it this time. You're going to let me do it? I'm going to let you do the ending. Okay, well. Let's see if you can remember what the ending is. Well, I'm just thinking we might need a new ending because when we first started this podcast, we wanted to do urban legends, like just those creepy stories that don't even need to be real. But then we found keep finding really good real stories that were even creepier. So, like, our ending is, like, these are all fictional. Well, I know this isn't fictional because this is a real experience that was even recorded in, mm. you know, court documents and stuff. How about we do this? Okay. Don't be afraid of any st- anything we've spoken about on this show today, fictional or factional. Factual. <laughs> oh, how about this? Uh, how about... And remember, these legends, they could be fictional, they could be based on fact... But wherever they are, there are legends in the dark. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> you like that? It's, it's good. It needs a little bit of polishing, but it's, it's not bad. <laughs>